Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Now, last week we looked at uh, the previous passage just before this one, and Jesus was talking about how He was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And this week is kind of related to what we talked about last week, because here Jesus begins to correct our misconceptions of what the law was all about. He takes six commandments that you hear from the Old Testament, and in a series He says, you've heard that it was said, but I say unto you. And Jesus was not introduce something introducing something new what he was doing was correcting our misconceptions the whole what jesus was teaching had been god's plan all along but through a way of reading it the the people in jesus day and even us today we look at the laws like you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not Steal. We look at those things and we think, well, I've never done that. And we think we're okay. But Jesus points us to the heart of the matter in each one of these cases. So let's look at what he says. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, You will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your word. And as I stand here, Lord, I do so with some fear. Lord, as we see tonight, Lord, you... You want our hearts. You don't just want our actions. Lord, you desire reconciliation between one another more than you desire our worship. Lord, you see our hearts. And you know how much hypocrisy is within each of us. I stand to preach 
knowing that I don't live up to the high standard that you call us to. Father, I I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And I need your grace as I preach your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus begins, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. Jesus here, he quotes the commandment from the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. His hearers would have been familiar with it from Exodus chapter 20 and from Deuteronomy chapter 5. The the latter part, you you don't find that there in the Ten Commandments, but it, it says here, you know, whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. What judgment is he talking about? Well, I, I think as you look at the Old Testament, there was one judgment. There was one penalty that was meted out for murder. And we read of that in, in uh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 9, where, uh, where Bradley read from. Genesis chapter 9 tells us that human beings are of such great value that God has made us in His very image. That an attack on a human being to lash out in anger and to kill another human being in murder is to lash out against the very image of God. That's why it is so heinous. So the penalty for that, because it is such a serious crime. There's nothing else that would, that would be acceptable except the death penalty. This was the Old Testament view that Jesus was talking about. So whenever he says, whoever murders will be liable to the judgment, he's talking about will be guilty and deserve death. And Jesus, he then... Well, let me, let me back up just a little bit. I want to... I wanna... Linger here a little bit over the word murder. There were different words for killing in the Old Testament in Hebrew. And uh, specifically, I, I want to be clear, the word in the Ten Commandments here is the word for murder. It is not just thou shalt not kill, but it is uh, a specific Hebrew word that is talking about murder. Um, a person would not be guilty of murder... Uh, if they are a, a soldier in war, uh, they, they were fighting in battle. Consider the fact that God sent His people to go out and defeat the, the nations that were inhabiting the land uh, of Canaan. Whenever He sent them to go in and slaughter all of the people of those cities, they were obeying God's very command and it was war. So in a war, that is not murder. There was a, a justifiable, there was a, um, a, a rightful authority there. And uh, capital punishment. Someone might suggest, uh, someone would, would argue, would counter, well, why would we practice capital punishment? Why would we kill someone for killing them? Aren't we just then making ourselves just as guilty as the person who murdered well, there's a difference. It's the authority behind that. The, the, the 
Romans tells us that, the, that God has given government the sword. And, and in such, uh, whenever um, every effort has been taken to, to make sure that uh, they're not um, putting to death an innocent person, um, then the government has the authority, and that is, that is not murder. We've talked a little bit about murder. We know that the penalty for that, that God has prescribed in Genesis 9 and elsewhere, is death. That is the punishment that we would earn if we were to perform murder. If we were to kill another human being in anger, to lash out against them, premeditated or otherwise. Verse 22, Jesus says, But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. When we hear the commandment, you shall not murder, we kind of, maybe we can kind of get a little bit prideful. We can think, well, I've never killed anybody. I'm doing pretty good on that one. We, we can begin to be filled with pride and think, I'm pretty good. That's one commandment. I can check my list. I've, I've done it. I, I, I've, I've, I've kept that commandment. But Jesus here tears down our self-righteousness. He tears down our own efforts at trying to be good people. And He tells us, whoever is, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. The same penalty that the Old Testament law spelled out for murder, Jesus here applies and says, whoever is angry with his brother deserves the judgment, i.e. the death penalty. We are guilty. We are guilty before God. Now the government... As they look at us, they cannot see our hearts the way God sees hearts. There is no way that any human government could ever enforce that. Well, you got angry with so-and-so. Sorry, we're going to have to kill you now. No government can ever, can ever um, enforce that, nor do they have the right to. But God sees all, and He sees our hearts and when we just get angry with our brother, we might think it's small, and that is what we do to our sins. We think they're small. Someone else's sin, that's big. That's a big deal when someone else sins. But we always like to minimize our sin. Well, I only do this. Well, everybody, nobody's perfect. So we minimize it. We minimize it. Jesus he, he throws a wrecking ball into that. If you think you're doing well because you've never killed anybody, Jesus says, have you ever been angry with your brother? Then he, he follows this up. And he says, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. The Greek word there, and some of, it, some of the English translations will, uh, will say raka. If, if, if anybody has ever called, said to his brother raka, uh, raka um, 
it's not the easiest word to translate, but basically it means something of the idea of um, empty-headed. So, if you've said to your brother, you blockhead, like Charlie Brown, Jesus says, you're liable to the council. That council, that Sanhedrin, that very one with the authority to pronounce the verdict guilty, deserving of the death penalty. Then Jesus says, And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. You fool. It's uh, literally, the, the, the Greek word there is more. We get our word moron from that. So, when we might slip with our careless words and we might say, oh, you moron. We are guilty. We're guilty. We deserve, in Jesus' words, we deserve the hell of fire. Pretty encouraging so far, isn't it? (laughs) You see, we we think we're good. We we think, well, we line up the Ten Commandments, and we think, well, I've obeyed this, right? Because I've never killed anybody. And Jesus takes that and He smashes all of our self-righteousness and He says, have you ever been angry? Have you ever called someone a fool? Have you ever called someone just a blockhead? We deserve death. We deserve hell. So Jesus says, He follows that up, He says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then, come and offer your gift. I think what we see here is, God desires our reconciliation with one another more than He desires our worship. If we're going to come here and sing songs, yet hold anger and bitterness in our hearts, God doesn't want any of it. If we're going to come and put money in the offering plate and stew over what someone did to us, God is hiding His eyes. He does not want to see it at all. It makes Him sick to see us because it's hypocritical worship. God hates hypocritical worship. It was uh, not just Jesus that points this out, but in Isaiah, the very first chapter of Isaiah... I'm familiar with this because I'm kind of working on it for my job right now. But Isaiah chapter 1, and starting in verse 11, says, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings and rams, and the fat of well-fed beasts. I don't delight in the blood of bulls and of lambs and of goats, When you come 
to appear before me? Who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my face from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. When we come to worship, when we come to bring our gift, and we do so still harboring bitterness, still harboring anger towards someone else, we're just heaping up wrath upon ourselves. We're making God even more angry. We are provoking Him because of our... We add to the sin of anger, the sin of hypocrisy. Jesus says, if you go to give your offering, and there remember that you, your brother has something against you, you leave it there. You don't worship when you know that there's sin that needs to be repented of. You, say, you take care of that first. You be reconciled. Go to that person and be reconciled. And then come back and God will be pleased with your offering. But how often is it that when we at church, we get offended by someone? And we do often two different things. One, we'll gossip. We don't go to them and be reconciled. We don't practice what Matthew 18 tells us to do. What does Jesus say? When, whenever your brother offends you, you go to them one-on-one. And if they don't repent, then you go to them with someone, with a witness. And then if they still don't repent, then you bring it before the church. No, instead, what our favorite thing to do is often... When somebody hurts our feelings, whenever someone offends us by something, is we begin to talk about them outside the church. We begin to spread things, and it's so damaging. And again, while we gossip, we continue to come on Sunday, and it continues to fester, and it just does immeasurable damage to the witness of the church, and to our own souls as we just fester on that. Another thing that we often will do when someone offends us in church, what do we do? We leave. We leave. Rather than going to our brother, working things out, being reconciled, we walk away because it's easier. We might go and join another church. We think we've left our problems behind us. And as we worship, we still have that anger that's in our heart. 
We may have forgotten all about it, but we've never resolved it. We've never reconciled with our brother. And so our worship, again, turns out to be hypocritical. This is convicting. (laughs) This is very convicting. This is a hard word to hear. But it's what Jesus says to us. If you come to worship and you remember someone, your brother, has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go be reconciled, and then come and worship. And then Jesus says, you got to find my verse. Verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. What is he saying here? Don't let the consequences come to you. Right? You take initiative. Whenever you have noticed that you have sin, that you've offended someone, whenever someone is coming at you with some kind of accusation, you go to them and you work it out, you reconcile, because if it goes to the court and everything comes out, you're in bigger trouble than you were in the first place. I think of uh, the kids and I were watching Leave It to Beaver this week. Great illustration for this. Okay? We were watching Leave It to Beaver, and so Wally and Beaver, you know, they, they uh, June and Ward, they're going to go on a, a, an overnight trip, and they're going to leave a, a babysitter to watch Wally and the Beave. And the babysitter has to cancel out. She can't make it. Something else came up. So Wally's like, well, can I watch Beaver? Because he wants to get paid. And they decide to do that, so everything seems to be going just fine. And what happens? Beaver is up to take a bath. Well, it's about supper time. And he leaves his bath water running, comes downstairs. They're eating away, and all of a sudden, they see the water coming down out of the ceiling. All right? All right. So they clean it up with all kinds of towels, and they're trying to make everything look good again. And Wally takes a hair dryer and he's up on top of the cabinets just trying to dry it all out. And they get it all good again. And you can't tell anything happened. What happens the next day? Their parents are back home. They're sitting down at the meal table and they hear crash down in the kitchen. Right? Well, Wally and the Beave, they have a choice to make. They can confess what they've done. Their parents don't know it was their fault. Ward, he says, you know, it could have been vibrations from somebody driving down the street. It could have been all kinds of different things. They don't know what caused it. It could have been poor craftsmanship. But Wally and the Beaver, they're stuck with this dilemma. Do we tell what we've done or do we conceal it? Wally and the Beave, they told what they did, and they were let off easy, right? Jesus here is saying, when, when you're in trouble, 
Go take take um, uh, take initiative. Go and work that out before you end up getting greater consequences, getting thrown in prison, and you will never get out until you pay the last cent. These are his words to us. How do we take that? We can do it on those simple things. Well, do we, we, we want to tell the truth? I don't want to just be moralistic about this. I want to be gospel-centered. You know what? There is a judgment coming. And we don't conceal anything. We think we may conceal something. We, we, we may do some little sin that we think is little that nobody will know about. But God sees everything. And one day there will be a judgment and everything will be revealed. Every harsh word, every careless word that we've ever spoken will be revealed for everyone to see. Even whenever we just say, you blockhead. It will all be revealed for everyone to see. We will all stand before our Maker and Judge. We have a choice. We can wait until that day. When it all comes out, whenever we feel the full weight and we have to pay every last penny because of our sins, we can run to Jesus now. We can make peace, be reconciled with our accuser because we can go to Jesus who paid for all of our sins. The one who was the Lamb of God who died for us, who paid the price for our sins. We can be reconciled to God now. But we can wait and put it off and wait until that day of judgment when it will be too late. I've never killed anybody. But I've been angry. And I've said careless words. And I've called people things that I shouldn't have called them. I suspect we can all say the same. And Jesus here says that is deserving of death. It's deserving of hell. And He warns us there is a judgment coming. And He warns us there is a way of escape. Be reconciled now. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who will not cast us aside. By faith in Him, trusting in Him, He washes us clean. He counts His righteousness as ours. He calls us His children. And we are forgiven. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at 
RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. <music>